This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Nate Klaus, and later we'll be joined by Husker Online intern David Eichold as we go through the mailbag. But it was draft weekend this past week for Nebraska. A lot of uh, former Huskers uh, learned their futures. Really, the storyline of the weekend was Nebraska only getting one player drafted. Uh, that snaps a streak that dates all the way back to 1962, Robin. Is that right? Yes. 62, uh, where Nebraska's had multiple players drafted. Only Nathan Gary, uh, who, by the way, we will hear from here um, in our next segment uh, on the show uh, was the lone Husker player drafted. Uh, a lot of players signing free agent deals, a lot of players getting tryouts. And, you know, I think the list is 12 guys now. Um, when you add Kevin Maurice, that will get an opportunity. One player drafted, about five free agent signings, and about six tryout type deals. So, wasn't exactly the weekend a lot of these guys wanted. They'll still get an opportunity, Robin. Um, but kind of a final gut punch to this 2016 season uh, with the way things ended and then seeing that draft streak come to an end as well. Yeah, it was getting pretty hairy there towards the end. I mean, we're talking the final pick of the fifth round before Nebraska guy even got off the board, and um, that at least extended uh, the longer streak, which is at least having one player drafted. Uh, but yeah, obviously the multiple-player uh, streak comes to an end, and, you know, it. it there are a lot of circumstances behind that. Obviously, Seathan Carter is good enough to play in the NFL. Um, I think the reason uh, reasons why he wasn't selected was, for one, he has injury issues. Two, he has no film because he was never thrown the football. And three, he was coming out in one of the deepest tight end classes uh, in the past decade at least. Well, and there were some red flags. He was suspended for the yeah, BYU too, game. Micro- I mean, there there is a red flag file there. That so d- it wasn't a talent issue with him, though, is what I'm saying. is I think that there were other reasons why he wasn't selected. Um, you know, and you know, I guess some people wanted Avery Moss to be counted towards that uh, <laughs> because he started his career, ended up at Youngstown State. Obviously, it doesn't work that way. Um, and we all know Sam Fultz would have been a, a lock uh, NFL punter. And what a uh, tribute by uh, John Harbaugh John there Harbaugh's on draft day. Amazingly classy. For him to go out of his way, I mean, there's he that was kind of uh, unprompted that he uh, went out and gave a shout-out to uh, Sam Foltz and Mike Sadler and said, you know, as, as much as everybody's celebrating, you know, a, a really, you know, a special day for a lot of players, we also got to keep in mind the guys that never had this chance. And so uh, very classy on his part, and he made a lot of – but a lot of new uh, Nebraska or Ravens fans in Nebraska. So, um, but you know, I guess it, it kind of just speaks to um, the the overall talent issue that has been debated. You know, ad nauseum here is um, does Nebraska have elite level talent and good I players, guess, but not necessarily exactly the NFL players. You know, the eleven draft picks Michigan had. Nate. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it should come as too big of a surprise that, that the streak has ended. Um, you know, all you have to do is look back at what everything the program's gone through the last few years with the coaching changes and, you know, having a coach that that wasn't all that invested in recruiting or didn't really embrace recruiting the way that, uh, you know, the head coach at Nebraska probably should and, and then going through a big coaching change. Um, and then you just look at look at the, uh, the all-Big Ten lists over the last few years. How many first-team, like, 
no-brainer mm-hmm. uh, all Big Ten players has Nebraska really had. And, and I think that, uh, you know, that, that kind of all came to fruition by Nebraska only having one guy drafted this, this past weekend. And, um, you know, and, and I guess the good thing is is that they still had a guy taken. You know, there's Texas a few years ago, Tennessee a few years ago. They didn't have anybody taken. Um, and I know there was a few teams like that then in this year's draft that you look at and you're like, boy, they didn't have a single guy drafted. But, um, you know, so I guess Nebraska can still hold on to that. But you, uh, I think what you want to see going forward is some of these highly touted recruits that Mike Riley is bringing in, um, you know, are able to kind of develop and, and find, you know, find a role in this system and, and you know, and have some of those NFL connections that this staff obviously has between, you know, Riley and, and, and Billy Devaney and, uh, you know, guys like Rick Spielman in Minnesota. Uh, you, you know, hopefully you see those connections connections start to start to pay dividends for Nebraska. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we kind of give our final thoughts here on the draft. And I guess what stings to me, though, is you, you have 30 seniors in this class. Mm-hmm. So when you have a number like that, you know, at a place like this with the resources, with the money, with the tradition, with the history, that's why I think you feel like you should have more than one. Or next year, right now, today, Nebraska has just 11 scholarship seniors. So next year is going to be the dicey year. Um, you know, Chris Jones, Joshua Clue, DeMornay, Pearsonell, Drew Brown lead the way. You could have a couple guys that maybe could go early. I mean, it's a long, you never know. It's a long shot on those things. Uh, but Tanner Lee and Stanley Morgan would be, uh, I think, two possible candidates to watch depending on the years they have. But, yeah, it's, it's long shots right there. But nonetheless, another surprising deal was Jordan Westerkamp. Um, you know, this was a guy going into the year, you know, I thought we all thought would shatter all the records, be a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, didn't happen that way. Broke a vertebrae in his back in the middle of the season, suffered a knee injury that forced him to miss the East-West Shrine Bowl, miss the bowl game, um, did not run well on his pro day. It was I was told it was in the low four seven range. His vertical also was not kind of where it normally would be, and um, led to be where Jordan didn't even get a free agent deal. He had to take a tryout offer. He will be in Tampa Bay this weekend, taking part in the Bucks mini camp, um, and he has to survive that weekend in order to get in the OTAs and then the June mini camp. So it is going to be a long road, Robin, for Jordan Westerkamp, and you really feel for the kid. Yeah, no doubt. Obviously, this was one of the guys you looked at as you know the, maybe having the, one of the better chances of being drafted, and then that knee injury really uh, set everything back. And then you know going into the draft, obviously Jordan had a lot working against him. For one, uh, first and foremost, a significant knee injury that you know there's really no uh, way to tell how he's going to come back from that until he's actually out there playing real football again. So um, that was a big red flag. And, you know, the fact that he isn't the most athletic type guy where you can point to, you know, his 40 time or his measurables and say, well, yeah, this guy obviously has an NFL body. Uh, And then I guess most importantly, he's not very versatile. I mean, he's an undersized guy that's never played special teams outside of uh, kind of being the safety return man. So, uh, you know, his, his opportunities to have an impact in other areas are severely limited on a 53 man roster exactly and so to make a roster as one of those tryout guys you have to do a lot of different things Uh, you have to be able to bring more to the table than playing one specific role Um, and so I mean that's that's really kind of three things that um, I guess led to this situation where now he has to kind of you know, basically try out for his NFL career this weekend. and Without uh, pads on and running around in shorts. And, exactly. And, and he's not a guy, Nate, that looks good in just shorts. I mean, he's he's a guy that, you know, you want to see with the bullets live. I mean, when you're an undersized, 
you know, slot guy like Jordan Westerkamp with not exceptional track speed. Um, I think it would be hard to really stand out in a mini camp this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be real hard. I mean, when Westy gets off the bus, you don't necessarily do a double take and say, oh, who's that? You know, uh, <laughs> he just he looks like a kind of a normal guy. I mean, obviously, he looks like an athlete, but he's not uh, he's no six, six, 220 pound you know, freak athlete uh, walking around. So, um, yeah, he's going to have to really impress, I think, with uh, his football knowledge. I mean, obviously, and, and, you know, picking things up, how fast he learns and, and, you know, catching the football and and things like that. But like Robin was saying, it's going to be an uphill battle because he is kind of a a one-trick pony right now in terms of how you view his value to an NFL team because he's never been a guy who's worked as a gunner on punt team and uh, who's run down on on kickoffs and, and made tackles before. Uh, I'm not saying that he won't do it because I think that Jordan Westerkamp will do whatever it takes to make an NFL roster. But you know, teams don't know how how good he is at tackling, how how good he is at, at uh, you know covering kickoffs and things of that nature. So uh, that coupled with the the injuries uh, really really hurt Jordan. As we wrap it up here in this opening segment, I do want to hit on some basketball. Still a lot out there, Robin, uh, on the transfer front. Um, and we talked about this a while back, but Akoya Gao is officially going to be a grad transfer. The former Omaha Central Rivals 150 uh, will be immediately eligible for one year. Nebraska, you reported, is at least in in limited discussions right now. Where does that stand? Yeah, uh, I guess as soon as the official news was announced that you know he was leaving Georgetown, uh, Nebraska did its due diligence once again and. Uh, got in contact with Akoi's camp and um, at least opened up the line for, for dialogue. Uh, that's kind of where things stand right now. Um, from a basketball standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Nebraska needs front court help. You got a local kid who, you know, is like, from all indications is interested in coming back closer to home, um, you know, could instantly help you. And maybe best of all, he could potentially have two years of eligibility if he gets uh, another season back due to the injuries he suffered previously in his career. So uh, from that standpoint, it makes total sense. But, you know, there's some big X factors there. Uh, you know, this is a guy that spurned Nebraska twice. Uh, Nebraska recruited him heavily out of high school, uh, and it looked like he was almost a lock to go there, and then Louisville swoops in at the last minute uh, and steals him. Uh, he transfers from Louisville. Um, Nebraska, once again, has him on campus, uh, you know, ha- for several unofficial visits. Um, you know, he's trying to get him on, um, and he goes to Georgetown. Well, now he are, is his third time the charm? I don't know. I mean, is I don't know how in- necessarily interested Nebraska is kind of going through this dog and pony show to, to get a kid that has already burned you twice. But um, like I said, there are other reasons why it makes sense, and um, we'll see how to, kind of how this plays out. Uh, he's got other interests. I know some other big teams have been in contact. Big Ten teams have been in contact. But uh, as of right now, it's just conversation with Nebraska. All right, we have a full show here on tap. We're going to hear both from Nathan Gary, the future Philadelphia Eagle, and Brandon Riley, who agreed with the deal uh, to a deal with the Buffalo Bills here in our next two segments, and we'll take your questions in the mailbag, and we'll close things up in recruiting as it's been a busy, busy week on the road for the Husker coaching staff. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as draft weekend in the books for Nebraska. The Huskers had just one player drafted here, uh, senior safety Nathan Gary, and uh, pr- uh, pleased to be joined, Nate, here on the Husker Online Show as you were picked in the fifth round by the Philadelphia Eagles. First of all, what, what, what was draft weekend like for you? Kind of how did you spend the weekend? I know a lot of guys have done 
um, you know, go fishing, get out of the house, do whatever they can, because it, it can be a long Saturday, especially if you're sitting around all day waiting on things Saturday. Uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, thanks for having me. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun weekend, though. You know, I had a lot of friends come down from Lincoln, and, uh, you know, I had a lot of family and friends from uh, Minnesota come down. And uh, my friends from South Dakota, you know, kind of just uh, we all got together and uh, I just hung out around the house. You know, I know me, my brother, and my dad and stuff. We went golfing um a couple times and then otherwise i've been hanging out spending time with my niece so um it was a stressful weekend but um like you said uh it was very uh fun experience so when you go back and just kind of look at your life growing up did you ever when when did you ever realize that you know what nfl is a possibility because i'm guessing i mean south dakota is not an nfl producing state and for you to get this opportunity um when did you realize it could really be a realistic goal and dream um yeah i think uh what really hit me was uh after my sophomore season in college um you know i remember going to high school and i remember my favorite sport my best sport was baseball and i knew that uh kind of lost the love for the game but you know somehow i was still pretty pretty good at it so um you know it was a tough decision for me to make but you know i wanted to be able to spend time with my friends in the summer and uh just kind of fell in love with football so um, you know, my head coach, Coach Hermanson, uh, kind of, you know, kind of helped me to get recruited, kind of mentioned track. And, um, you know, so kind of just, and that's right during the season of baseball. So I kind of had to hang the glove up and uh, put on some track spikes and see if I could run. And unfortunately, uh, I guess us Garys can run fairly well on the track a little bit. Um, but, yeah, once, uh, you know, I kind of got recruited with then and, uh, you know, I never really thought I was going to be able to play at Nebraska. You know, I know a lot of coaches kind of, or Coach Bo kind of mentioned, hey, you know, be ready come, coming in because, you know, you got a chance to play. Uh, you know, it kind of opened my eyes up a little bit, but I didn't know if you really kind of just told that to a lot of people. Um, so I didn't really know how it all went. But, um, you know, it kind of was unfortunate. I was fortunate enough to, you know, start a couple games my freshman year. And, and then after C or my sophomore year, I kind of, had a pretty good season, and after that, I was kind of realizing myself is that you know I think I can hang with the best of the best, and you know I think that's really when my eyes kind of started opening a little bit. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan joined here by uh, former Husker Nathan Gary, who's heading off to Philadelphia next week to join the Eagles. Well, what do you know about the Eagles? Did you have a lot of dialogue with them and your your um, agent uh, over the process? I mean, what can what can you tell us about your new team and, and what you've kind of learned about uh, their defense and what they do? Um, you know, I didn't really know too much about the Eagles, you know, like growing up and stuff like that. I didn't really follow them as much. Um, you know, I never really had a football team, but, uh, you know, throughout the whole draft process, um, you know, I think I was in a pretty good position where I met with almost every single team, but maybe a couple of them. You know, I had a, a lot of teams uh, like me as linebacker, a lot of teams that like me as safety, and Philadelphia was actually one of the teams where, um, even in their own facility, they had coaches who wanted me to play safety and had some coaches wanted me to play linebacker. So um, from when talking with Coach Peterson, Coach Schwartz, and those guys, I have uh, I think I'm in a really good spot where, um, you know, with the defense they're running, it's kind of a hybrid hybrid spot that's kind of, uh, you know, pretty unique over a couple of years. Uh, it's kind of starting to grow in a lot of teams. And, um, you know, it's, that's kind of the spot where I kind of wanted to play going into the NFL. You know, I think I'm a pretty good uh, – box player uh, as a safety and then I think just being able to play in the zone coverages as a you know cover linebacker I think will be able to just free the quarterback's eyes a little bit is going to be a benefit me a little bit yeah so you will play a linebacker but it's almost kind of like a hybrid guy where you, you can do both I mean it, 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 that was kind of I think when people said linebacker they're thinking oh man he's gonna have to be like a 4-3 linebacker but explain the uh, the defense they run and kind of how you'll be in that defense yeah, you know, it's uh, it's not what uh, – I'm not going to be that 250 linebacker, if that's what people are asking. Um, 
you know, it's just uh, it's kind of one of the things to do is just, uh, you know, end up covering some tight ends every now and then. Um, you know, it's kind of the sub package. Uh, you know, nowadays the, the NFL is just a you know primary passing league. A lot of it is passing, so um, you're in sub packages 87% of the time of the season. So I'm going to be playing a real linebacker spot that is kind of a – it's pretty much a drop-down safety and uh, cover three zone, um, you know, to be able to come down and play, play in the box. Uh, so, you know, we ran a little bit of that um, our senior year uh, with under Coach Banker. Uh, we didn't run too much in Polini's uh, defense, but I think uh, being being able to be versatile, you know, I think that because we run a lot of two, we run too high at, in Philly and then we run a lot of single high. So I think being able to have the best of both worlds in college is going to benefit me. Future uh, Philadelphia Eagle here, uh, Nathan Gary, joining us here, former Husker on the Husker Online Show, Nate, um, you, you did the Senior Bowl. You were part of the NFL Combine. That's something not, not a lot of guys get to do, particularly the Senior Bowl. What, what did you take away from those experiences? And I, mean, I, I know those that weigh-in uh, at the Senior Bowl particularly, that, that's quite a deal where they strut you out there in, 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 in that cold hotel ballroom. Uh, what, what did you learn over those two experiences as you went through the draft process? Uh, you know, I think one of the things that me and my kind of family experienced, more of me, I guess, um, just through the whole process is uh, – and it's, it's just more of the business side of things, you know. Everybody sees the football and uh, you know on TVs, but people don't know kind of what goes behind the scenes. And um, you know, that's I didn't really either that much. And uh, once I went to the Senior Bowl, I realized that uh, kind of a meat market. Um, you know, everybody strips down into their compression shorts, and you're getting pulled and jerked around from all different angles from athletic trainers and physicians, and you know, seeing how your body is and getting poked around. So it's kind of a weird experience, to be honest with you, but. Um, you know, not a lot of kids in the country get to say they get to do that. So, you know, in a, in a way, it was uh, it was weird, but it was also a pretty cool experience to be a part of it. Now, growing up in South Dakota, uh, the quarterback for the Eagles, Carson Wentz, is from North Dakota, playing North Dakota State. Do you, are you familiar with Carson Wentz? Uh, have you reached out to him yet? I mean, it's kind of rare to have two uh, Dakotas uh, on the on the same NFL team. Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've talked to Carson a couple times. Um, he actually trains in Sioux Falls, um, so. That's even cooler thing for me. You know, me and him will be able to come back here and uh, work out together, knowing, um, you know, we're on the same team. So, you know, that's going to benefit us both. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I, I was, uh, never really thought that, you know, Dakota boy would uh, make it to uh, Philly. But um, now I guess we got two Dakota boys. You know, we're not, we're not too shy from the, we're not uh, scared of the cold. So I think that might have been a factor in why they wanted us there. <laughs> Yeah, you you were around, you know, the Nebraska media. We could be tough, but you got to get ready now for the Philadelphia media. It could be a, you, you hear horror stories. You ready for the the Philly media? That's a, that's what I've been hearing from a lot of people. Uh, I talked to the Sioux Falls media guys this morning too, and that's the, the same thing they said. But uh, you know, I'm ready for it. Um, you know, but you know, I know they got great fans though too. You know, just like Nebraska, you know, they're they're crazy about Eagles football, so I'm I'm ready for it. What is the schedule, Nate? Uh, obviously, um, mini camps and, and training camps are, are going to he- be here before you know it. What is your schedule now as, as you kind of lay things out? Yeah, so I'm going to be here in Two Falls for probably about another week, and I'm leaving uh, out to Philadelphia next week on the 9th. Um, we've got a report on the 10th. Uh, about about a week or so of mini camp for rookies, and then um, after that, it's going to follow up with OTAs where they're going to mix the. Uh, the rookies, some of the rookies in with the veterans and kind of start getting acquainted with your team. Uh, and then after that, you know, we usually get um, June and July off, a majority of it. And then after that, we're going to end up reporting back to uh, Philadelphia again. 
As we wrap it up here with former Husker Nathan Gary, um, Nate, uh, when you look back on your career at Nebraska, um, you, know, you played a lot of games, almost started for really all four of your years or played all four. What, what, what would be, you know, if you had to look at memories, what would be a memory or two that you still think about as kind of some of your more memorable moments here from Nebraska? Um, for sure, when uh, we um, did that thing for Sammy, uh, you know, that was probably one of the, you know, one of the most historical things that's probably going to go down in history for uh, Nebraska football is when, uh, you know, we did the the Mister or the Lost Man, the punt. So, you know, that was for sure my favorite one. Um, but it's my second favorite uh, memory was probably when we played Miami at home. Uh, you know, I got my my first interception. I I say, uh, you know, it did get taken away, but it still uh, counts in my book. Um, but uh, you know, I've always grown up kind of liking the Hurricanes a little bit, and then being able to run out of the you know, Nebraska tunnel and see all the um, former national championship guys just rooting us on, cheering us on, kind of, kind of was probably one of the coolest moments of my life, honestly. Well, Nate, uh, congratulations on everything uh, with the the draft and the Eagles, and uh, we wish you the best of luck now as you start the next chapter. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sean. All right, former Husker Nathan Gary, our guest here on the Husker Online Show. When we come back, we're going to be joined uh, by former Husker and now Buffalo Bill Brandon Riley. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. We just heard from uh, former Husker Nathan Gary as he gets ready to head off to the Philadelphia Eagles. Joining him out there on the East Coast will be his good friend. Hi, Sean Callahan back here, joined now by Brandon Riley, who signed immediately on draft day a free agent deal with the Buffalo Bills. And, Brandon, how, how does that work? I mean, you hear stories, if you don't get drafted – you know, if you're a guy that's right there, you're going to get a lot of phone calls, a lot of teams talking to you. I know you had close to 20 teams contact you over um, the process. How did it kind of work for you um, with the free agent process? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, the Packers called towards the end and, you know, said they wanted to draft me in the late rounds, and uh, they ended up drafted two other receivers. So, you know, that wasn't the easiest to take, but, you know, I wasn't too down on it. And then... You know, right when the draft ended, I probably had six or seven teams call instantly. And, you know, for 10, 15 minutes there, it was pretty hectic, you know, talking to teams and, you know, my agent and Coach Dub and my family as well. And, you know, came to the, the decision where, you know, I had the best opportunity in Buffalo. And, you know, so that's what we went with. What do you know about Buffalo? Have you ever been to the state of New York? I mean, it's obviously got to be a completely new thing for you. Uh, I've been to Buffalo one time. Uh, my hockey nationals were out there uh, back in the day. So I've, I've been there once, but, you know, I know it's, you know, kind of right near Canada and, you know, likes to snow and get pretty cold in the winter. <laughs> we're joined here by former Husker Brandon Riley. He'll be heading off with the Buffalo Bills next week. And, you know, it's almost like you came to Nebraska as a walk-on and you kind of had to earn your stripes. And, I mean, as you look at this next uh, path for you do you almost look at it the same way that you're almost like a walk-on now going in the in the nfl that is a, kind of what uh you know i had in mind you know i was talking to my best friend gavin and he goes well you did it once might as well do it again and i was like yeah that's definitely the mindset i have and you know i'm just excited to get there and uh you know put my head down and work and make a name for myself i mean just from your read how many receivers make an nfl roster when they kind of whittle it down you know uh I don't know the exact number, but you know, I know Buffalo. They lost uh, they lost a couple guys who played last year, and they you know they drafted one receiver early in the second, and uh, 
you know, other than that, they said, you know, it's just open competition. And, you know, that caught my eye as long as, you know, I get a shot, you know, that's all I asked for. Yeah, and special teams will be a big part of it, um, you know, running down and maybe covering kicks, covering punts. That's not something that you've had to do at Nebraska. I know you did it in high school, um, just kind of getting brushed up on those fundamentals. I mean, what do you do here to kind of get ready for that now over the next few weeks? Yeah, definitely, you know, just got to get in good shape, you know, because, you know, when camp comes, you got to, you know, both perform on on offense and special teams. So, you know, it's got to be in good shape to be able to, you know, keep running all practice and, you know, run by people and, you know, I'm looking uh, forward to making plays on, at both receiver and, you know, whether it's at gunner or running run down on kickoff. Sean Callahan joined here by former Husker Brandon Riley, uh, also a Lincoln Southwest product. And that had to be pretty cool, both you and Josh Banderas, two products from Lincoln Southwest. You guys really kind of both found out your dra- or your NFL stuff within minutes. I mean, Josh found out he was going to Denver and you to Buffalo right away. Uh, I mean, think about that. I mean, there, two guys yeah. two guys on one high school team uh, going into the NFL. How, how cool is that? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a neat feeling. You know, obviously, you know, grew up knowing Bando and then, you know, playing with him in high school and college. And, you know, fortunate enough, we both uh, get opportunity and, you know, obviously both of us would, you know, prefer to get drafted, but, you know, we're not we're not complaining either way. And, you know, I got all the confidence in him. Uh, if just him getting an opportunity, he'll he'll do just fine on making a roster. Well, you know, you were one of those guys that stayed in Lincoln and trained in Lincoln. Some guys go off and, and train elsewhere. What were, for you, what were the advantages of just staying here and, and kind of working with the Nebraska strength staff over your kind of uh, preparation process for the pro day? You know, they, uh, you know, they know us better than, you know, anyone else because, you know, we spend the most time with the strength staff. Shoot, I mean, we spend more time with them than, you know, the actual coaches just because, you know, year-round and, you know, the off-season we spend a ton of time with those strength coaches and, you know, having that relationship and, you know, them knowing us and our bodies and, you know, helping us there. But then, you know, also – uh, staying here, getting the chance to work out with Coach Dub was uh, was huge for me as well. Yeah, let, let's talk about yeah. Keith Williams. I mean, you've had good uh, coaches you've played for in your career, but Keith Williams had something about him uh, as a receiver coach to a lot of guys that he really touched a lot of different players, developed a lot of players, a lot of pro players come back and work out with him. What are some some of the biggest things he's taught you to kind of get you ready for this process? You know, a lot of it's just a mindset and. You know, he's a great communicator and he gets he whatever the point he's trying to get across, he uh he makes it very easy to relate to and you know, then when it just comes to the position, you know, he's got more of a passion for the wideouts than, you know, anyone I've ever talked to and you know, it shows a lot when these NFL guys come back just to work out with them and you know, I can't thank him enough. I know, you know, people pay pretty big bucks to go train other places and you know, during, you know, spring practice and stuff he'd find time to, you know, work with me and you know he wouldn't charge me anything and you know I just you know I can't thank him enough. Now will you be one of those guys that will be back here every summer doing workouts with Coach Dub? You know if I'm fortunate enough to you know stay in the NFL and make it absolutely I'll come back to work out with them. Now you were around this spring what what did you think I know you and Tanner Lee have become very close even though you guys will never technically play on the field together uh, what do you think of Tanner Lee he was named the starting quarterback what can Husker fans expect from him the next two years? You know, yeah, it's funny to say. I actually, you know, just finished working out with him uh, this afternoon. But you know, he's a he's a great quarterback already. But you know, he wants to be good. And you know, I remember last year he uh, he had to sit out a year and couldn't play. But 
you know, I'd go by the, the meeting rooms at times and, and he's in there watching film by himself. And, you know, I think that shows a lot when, you know, you can't play for a year and you're still in there trying to, you know, learn and get better. And so I think, you know, and then, you know, over spring break, you know, guys usually go places and, you know, he goes out to San Diego to work out with, you know, a quarterback coach and to work there. And so, you know, I think that shows a lot about him as a person and, you know, his determination to being great. How, his maturity, too. I mean, that's something I think that, you know, to be a quarterback at Nebraska, uh, you're going to get a lot of good praise, a lot of negative praise. He, he's not really big on social media. He kind of keeps a real steady kind of hand about how he goes about things. I mean, mentally, how ready do you think is he for what he's going to face this year? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that's, you know, I think that's what makes him great already is, you know, his his mental focus and, you know, his, his drive to, you know, just stay with himself and, you know, not read the outside stuff that, you know, can can bring you down. I know, you know, during Lent he gave up social media, which was, you know, right during spring ball, which, you know, probably couldn't have been better better for him just to, you know, come to work each day and focus and do that and listen to coaches and, you know, just not worry about, you know, what everyone else is saying. As we wrap it up here with Brandon Riley on the Husker Online Show, Brandon, uh, what the offense too, just watching it this spring, what were the biggest differences maybe you see with what Nebraska is going to do on offense now, maybe compared to what they've done the last two years with a different style and quarterback? Yeah, definitely. You know, whether, you know, whether it's Patrick or Tanner in there, you know, they're both, you know, not as, as run savvy as Tommy. And so, you know, less quarterback runs and that stuff and more, you know, just, you know, three-step drop quick completions, you know, get the, get the ball in the hands of those playmakers out there and, you know, let them go to work. Well, Brandon, uh, we're excited to follow you off to Buffalo. Uh, maybe you'll get a square off with Dominic and Sue. Um, he's with the Miami Dolphins, so you might you might have to get tackled by Sue finally. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I hope it comes to that, but, you know, I hope if it does come to that, he, you know, takes it easy on me and doesn't <laughs> kill me because I think if me and him go hit head-to-head, uh, I think a thousand times out of a thousand, I'm losing that one. Well, you think about that, too. You're on the in the same division as the Patriots. I mean, just think about that. Growing up, did you ever real, imagine you'd be on a football field uh, playing against Tom Brady? Yeah, definitely not. Never never thought about it, but, you know, now that it, it came to that, uh, you know, I hope he gets to that point, and, you know, it's definitely, you know, memories I'll, I'll have for a lifetime. Well, Brandon, congratulations. I know everyone around Lincoln here, uh, we followed you since you were playing at Southwest, and we look forward to following you now in Buffalo. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. All right. That was former Husker Brandon Riley heading off now to the Buffalo Bills. We'll uh, take your questions next in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Or we recruited against a couple of schools that talk about their pipeline. I'm thinking of one uh, a little bit west of Omaha that talks about their pipeline. You know, I think they've had like two guys drafted in two years. So I'm not sure how much of the pipeline the coaches have uh, have contributed to. Um, but perception is reality in recruiting, so you, so you work against that a little bit. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we kick off the mailbag segment. And uh, thank you, Brian Ferentz, uh, the son of Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, for leading off the mailbag segment with some off-season May juice. I mean, that was wow. I mean, Brian Ferentz on a podcast, um, I believe, with the uh, Des Moines Register guys, David? Yeah. Um, makes those comments. Um, it's hard what to make of it. I can tell you one thing. I guarantee you his dad not very happy is uh, anyone that knows Kirk Ferentz, he is very classy, kind of by the book. But, Nate, um, you're a recruiting guy. What were your thoughts on those comments by Brian Ferentz? 
Well, obviously, he got a little. I think he got a little too comfortable there. Maybe a little cocky. Uh, you know, he's he's the offensive coordinator now. He's feeling good about beating Nebraska pretty well last year, and and of course they uh, kind of hang their hat on their offensive line tradition and the guys that they've put in the NFL recently. Uh, and so he's clearly taking a shot at, at Mike Cavanaugh and and some of his tweets. I know they've gone head to head with a few guys. Um, most of which Nebraska has actually won most of those battles, especially with Matt Farniok. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of surprising that he would make those statements to me because when you look at, at some of the things that Cav tweets about in terms of the pipeline, it's not necessarily bragging about what they have, but it's more kind of bragging about the tradition that Nebraska has along the offensive line. And you can't dispute that with the Outland trophies and, and everything else that Nebraska has had. I think that, that Cav is just kind of embracing that and using that as a recruiting tool, uh, not not necessarily waving waving a flag in, in front of uh, Iowa's face in terms of, you know, look what we've done since we've been here type of deal. I like it. I, I think that this Iowa-Nebraska rivalry is really uh, – becoming a, a, a tense situation and it gets something like this really uh, stokes the fire a little bit and um, the reality is you know he, he's kind of got some room to, to talk I mean they've won three of the last four years uh, and they've done it in a fashion which Nebraska fans I think are pretty envious of you know with uh, offensive line just pushing their way forward and just dominating physically and so um, I'm sure Nebraska fans don't want to hear it but um, the reality is right now the offensive line at Iowa has been better than the offensive and line let's at face Nebraska. It, uh, Icor start, Sean Icor started this war. Yes he did. I yep. mean he made those comments when he fired Bo Pelini that he put absolutely zero stock in Nebraska's win over Iowa and making his decision because he looked at where the state of Iowa's program was at since that moment. Iowa has turned the corner as a program, but let's move on to the mailbag. David Eichold, I know you've got some questions. Um, he's sitting in here for Matt Reynoldson, who we, we think might be awake, but... I'm not sure. He, he was still asleep when we when I left, so... Well, let's get to the mailbag. Right. Uh, so, what player on the offensive side of the ball in the upcoming recruiting class do you see as a leader for the group? Well, that's kind of a tough question right now because, I mean, there's some good offensive recruits in this class so far, but none that are, you know, clearly outspoken leaders like you, you kind of saw with a Keyshawn Johnson Jr. or Tristan Jebbia last year. I think, obviously, talent-wise, uh, Manuel Allen is probably one of the more talented guys that they have committed right now, but but he is kind of quiet. Um, you know, I, I think that he knows a lot of people and is probably doing a lot of recruiting and that type of thing behind the scenes, but he's not as outspoken of a guy as a, as a Keyshawn Johnson Jr. But, I mean, that's the one I'd have to go with right now. Um, and then and, you know, it remains to be seen if Nebraska gets a quarterback in this class, but the quarterback is usually one of those one of those leaders in the class too. All right, let's keep the mailbag moving. What do you got next for us, David? So Nebraska's going the JUCO route, it looks like, uh, trying to develop more offensive linemen. Do you see this as an insurance against injury, or you think they're just trying to develop some depth uh, or to try and make up some misses in the past few years? I think this is clearly a, just a depth issue. Uh, you know, Nebraska, for whatever reason, they haven't been all that heavily invested in recruiting junior college prospects, but it's clear that they would, wouldn't mind taking a, a junior college offensive tackle in this class, and I think that's the kind of, uh, um, you know, 
kind of be a stopgap between Nick Gates and a, a guy like Brendan Hymas, who I know they're very, very high on. They think that he could be kind of the, a main staple there at that left tackle position for many years to come after his redshirt year. So uh, I think if they could get a, a junior college left tackle in this class, they would definitely like to do that. Yeah, the hole right now would be that, that class with Christian Gaylord yeah. and Jalen Barnett. I mean, that class, other than the Michael Decker, I, I mean, he might be the only guy, Nate, that produces in that in that, that trio right there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think it's still a little too early to write those guys off, but yeah, you would like to see you know a Christian Gaylord and a Jalen Barnett kind of take that next step here pretty soon. Otherwise, uh, it's, they're probably going to fall to the wayside pretty quick. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, taking your questions here in the mailbag. What's next, Dave? Uh, Spielman versus Tajon Lindsay. How much does each play in 2018, and how much success do each of them have? Well, if you know anything about Keith Williams, they rotate receivers uh, pretty freely. I think you're going to see both of them play um, and kind of let it play out. But, I mean, I'm super high on Tajon Lindsay. Um, Just hearing what Keith has already said about this kid on mic and off mic, He's as polished and talented of a receiver that's ever come in in Nebraska as a true freshman. Um, but I think there's going to be a need for both of them. I think Spielman could be the kick return guy if I had to guess right now. Uh, but Lindsey, um, as long as he comes in in shape, ready to roll, um, I have a hard time thinking he's not going to have a big role next year. Yeah, I see them both playing a lot. And as far as uh, J.D. goes, uh, Nebraska's coaches like him. And they've liked him going back to last year as a true freshman when he almost played in a significantly deeper receiving core. So um, he's a guy that I think has a very high ceiling in this offense. They can use him in a lot of different ways, um, just kind of that that mold of wide receiver that, you know, DeMornay Pearsonell was expected to be. And um, so, I mean, he's got that kind of potential to be kind of a, a multifaceted weapon um, in this offense. And so I think that he's going to have a lot of different roles. Like Sean mentioned, I, I guarantee you he's going to be in the return game in some form. Um, and then also be, you know, maybe that jet sweep type guy that can do uh, work both in the running game, the screen game, uh, and just as a traditional wide receiver. Yeah, both guys are going to play and play a lot. I think J.D. Spielman probably holds the edge right now just because he knows the system um, and is more comfortable with everything right now. So a lot of it's going to come down to how fast Tyjon Lindsay can learn. But athletically, like Sean said, Tyjon is is as gifted of a wide receiver that's ever come to Nebraska, and he's going to play and play a lot. The, now, the, the one thing to watch is that he, he's not going to be strictly a slot. I, I think that we'll see Tyjon Lindsay move around and play a couple different wide receiver positions. What do you got next for us, Dave? Uh, you know, this has been such a talked about topic, the differences in the coaching, uh, previous coaching staff and this one. Can you share any moments that you were kind of shaking your head what was going on with Bo, and not necessarily recruiting-wise, but maybe just coaching the players or chemistry in the locker room? Uh, I just think that's a hard one to delve all the way into, but um, – the stubbornness at times. I mean, I, I go back to Bo's final game at Wisconsin. Um, you know, the fact that they really didn't adjust their defensive scheme at all. And he truly believed in his mind that, you know, the scheme that he had was going to work and no adjustments need to be made. And they come out in the second half, run the exact same scheme. And, you know, Melvin Gordon sets an NCAA record. And I, I felt like moments like that, he would lose his players and they would lose belief in what they were doing. And, um, you know, that would be, if I were to kind of summarize him, I think, uh, he would lose control of a game and, and, and then he would lose control of the players and the players sometimes would react to that. And, and it just wouldn't be pretty when it, when it was all said and done. 
I was sending a GIF or GIF, however you want to pronounce it, uh, the other day. I was going through, don't ask me why, but I was searching Bo Pelini, and one of the ones that popped up was the altercation between Bo and Damian Stafford on the sideline during a game. And I thought Stafford was going to swing on him at one point. And that kind of speaks to what Sean's point was, is Bo's emotions would get so out of control during games. I and mean, we saw it with the officials, but, you know, grabbing Taylor Martinez by the face and, you know, you scream at him at Texas A&M and, and, you know, almost getting in a fight with Damian Stafford. I mean, those are the types of things that, you know, we talked year in, year out about the snowball effect. And I think that's his inability to control himself led to his inability to control his team. Well, I think uh, as far as recruiting goes, a couple – a couple of things that really stick out to me is the, the Kevin Dillman quarterback recruitment, where <laughs> oh, yeah. where he's a you know he's a international student where he came from Sweden, played in California and had a good you know had a good season his sophomore year, but tore his Achilles tendon um, you know and then transferred to Texas just out of the blue. Um, and there was a lot of question marks surrounding that injury, and and Nebraska went all in on Kevin Dillman. And uh, he ended up not even playing his senior season, and uh, and they passed up on a guy like Joe Burrow, who had connections to the program, was the Ohio Gatorade Player of the Year, um, I think maybe even two-year Gatorade Player of the Year. But um, and and now Kevin Dillman is a backup tight end at North Texas, so a bad decision there. And then I'll never forget watching Mick Stoltenberg and and uh, Harrison Phillips have to go through the gauntlet to try and get a scholarship at camp that summer it was like an eight-hour workout where they it was in, in, in ridiculous it was insane it, it, like they were just coming up with more and more things to try and have these guys do they literally tried them out at every offensive line position every defensive line position tight end I mean snapper snapper they they had these guys doing everything and they were just and and to their credit they were doing everything they were asked and they were just beating the crap out M- of each Mick other Mick took out a Gatorade table yeah. remember that yeah, and, I mean it was it was nuts, and and they only ended up offering Mick. Um, I mean they ended up offering Harrison Phillips later after after a few more offers kind of forced their hand. But I mean those were two kids in state that were that year were no brainer offers, and, and they, they just, made they made it they like, made it so hard. Yeah, they tried to talk themselves out of yep. out of those offers. All right, we have time for one more fun one, one light one. You got a light one for us here to end on? Always. Uh, <laughs> In honor of Matt, what's your best overslept through the, an alarm clock story? Uh, my, I think junior year in high school, I missed. Um, we had a basketball game over Christmas break and a holiday tournament at Omaha North, and we were playing Benson um, that night. But it was like a Friday night or Thursday night, and I I slept through my alarm and literally missed um, my shootout or the, the the morning shootout shooting around and. Um, I had a lot of family coming in town for Christmas that were going to come watch from like Virginia and stuff. And uh, my coach, Tim Yonk, who's now the football coach at Creighton Prep, like he was disappointed in me, but he goes, Hey, you got to admit, I got to sit you the first half. I mean, it wouldn't be right. Then he let me play the second half. And I, I came off the bench and uh, we were down at half. We ended up coming back and winning the game. Um, so that was, that was the one that really cost me, though, having to sit out a first half from kind of pulling a Matt Reynolds in there. <laughs> Uh, my Matt Reynolds moment came, or at least there's been many, but uh, the one that stands out, 
back when I was living in Colorado, uh, I f- f- drove to Denver because uh, I was going to fly to Chicago the next day to go to the Bears-New York Giants game. And I was going to meet a buddy there who was driving uh, from out of town as well. And so it was the first flight out in the morning. And of course, you know, that Saturday night before I had to go, you know, experience the Denver nightlife. And, you know, that led to me sleeping through my alarm to where it was like two hours. My alarm was just continuing to go. And I just slept through it for two hours and woke up at like nine o'clock. My flight was supposed to leave at like seven or something like that. Uh, And so basically not only did I miss the flight, uh, I was out, you know, two or three hundred bucks for the flight. I didn't get to go to the game. And basically I drove to Denver just to go out one night and then drive home in the morning. Mine, I mean, there's been there's been a lot. But I I think the one that sticks out to me was – I think it was my sophomore year of college. I had just started uh, working at Nebraska. It was game day. I'd gone out the night before. Uh, quite, I would think I was up pretty late. Uh, I don't know how, how much sleep I really got, but uh, I had a roommate that woke me up, and he's like, dude, aren't you supposed to be at the stadium right now? And I, <laughs> I, I completely slept through my alarm or it didn't go off or I forgot to set or whatever, but I had to try and, and uh, run through a quick shower, get to the stadium, and, and be there to, to meet and greet the recruits and and uh, take them take them through the the game day tour and, and, and whatnot and, and kind of entertain d- during halftime and smell like a liquor game. store I yeah bet. and 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 I don't know I, I can't remember who it was uh, but there was uh, there was a parent uh, of a re- of one of the recruits and he's like he's like you, you had a good time last night didn't you and I'm like I'm like oh yeah you know I kind of downplayed it and he's like he's like no you look you look like you just woke up uh, after after having a really good time and he's like he's like here's some gum you smell like a brewery so uh, so that's one of my i guess that's one of my uh kind of ship with bow running all right that was that, that was, was actually solich that's, that's solich. the actual on, main Frank. difference yeah. all right well we had a little too much fun here and it went way over time but when we come back we'll close the show and we will uh talk recruiting with nate klaus next you're listening to the husker online show this is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show final segment. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we close it up, talking some recruiting here as Nebraska picked up commitment number nine from Hoover, Alabama kicker Brent Pickering. Right, Nate? That's that's how you pronounce the last name, correct? Yeah, Barrett Pickering. Oh, Barrett. I said uh, Barrett Pickering, um, regarded as arguably one of the top two, three kickers in America uh, still unranked by rivals at this point. I know that freaks out a lot of star guys. They want to know where he's at. Um, you know, the highest rivals, this is a huge topic yeah. about kicker ratings. The highest rivals will go is a five, five, three star. You would think Barrett would be in that category, but Nate, you never know. Yeah. You never know. I, I, I think, you know, based off his reputation nationally from a lot of the kicking gurus that are out there, especially Jamie Cole, I think that uh, he's got a good shot at, at landing, you know, the three-star ranking from rivals. Now, Jamie Cole ranks him as the number two overall kicker in the country, a five-star prospect by his uh, evaluations, um, and he also has him nationally ranked as a as a punter as well. But uh, he's definitely a place kicker, uh, and he's a very good one. You know, Nebraska has a need there this year, and and uh, they they targeted two kickers. They offered two guys, uh, Evan McPherson and Barrett Pickering who just so happened to be one and two ranked by Jamie Cole in the country. Um, and McPherson ended up staying in state and, uh, and Pickering went to the spring game and, and committed to Nebraska this past week, a couple weeks uh, afterwards. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. And a lot of people 
freak out about, oh, don't waste a scholarship on a kicker because you've got Cole Fromm. And yeah, Cole Fromm may end up being really good, and we don't really know that. Kind of like Alex Henry when they had Jordan Congdon. You didn't know Alex Henry was going to be really good until a year down the road. Uh, but that will be interesting. Say if Cole Fromm is that good and you have Pickering um, on scholarship, that will be a, a tough deal to balance here in the future. But you can't really gamble not having a guy either. Well, yeah, you can't gamble on on not having a guy. And and really, who's behind Cole Fromm? You know, are you so? I don't know if there really is because uh, Bruce Reed did not want more than two specialists at each position, correct? Yeah, yeah. So you don't really have another option besides Cole Fromm, and and you've never been able to work with Cole Fromm. He, he hasn't gone through a spring ball or or a fall camp, so you don't know exactly what you have there. So when you're uh, you're losing a four year starter and Drew Brown, a guy who started from day one that he that he's been in Nebraska. So I think uh, there's always been one spot for a kicker, kind of. Uh, earmarked in this class, even though it's a, a small recruiting class, there's a need for a specialist at that place. It's a starter, yeah, he's going to be a four-year starter. If if I were to ask anybody, hey, uh, would as a fan of Nebraska, would you be comfortable with them offering a kid who's going to be a, a four-year starter as, from a, as a true freshman? I think they would say, yeah, yeah, that sounds fine. So that's exactly what uh, what Barrett Pickering is going to be at Nebraska. And, and shoot, you, you hope that that Cole Fromm is a good player and turns out to be you know really good and, and kind of pushes uh, you know Barrett and and maybe even beats Barrett out. Who knows? But I, I think that uh, it's kind of an insurance policy to have Cole Fromm and and uh, a guy like Barrett Pickering is is you know pretty much about as sure th- thing th- as you can get in recruiting. Uh, You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we uh, talk some recruiting here and the coaching staff on the road. Nate, what is the latest you can share on the puzzle of the quarterback recruiting? Is it a slam dunk? Nebraska is for sure going to take a guy. Uh, what can you tell us this week? Well, right now, I, I think it's it's not a slam dunk that they're going to take a guy in this 2018 class. I think if you had asked me that a, a month ago uh, or even a couple weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, there's no doubt that Nebraska is going to take a guy in 2018. Both Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf have said multiple times that their goal is to take one quarterback per class. But at this point in time, you know, their, their top-rated um, offered targets really, you know, are, are, have come off the board or, you know, are, are kind of looking more and more like long shots. And, uh, and there are a couple guys that they've, you know, gone by to see and evaluated, but they haven't offered those guys yet. And um, you know, a guy like Spencer Petras out of Northern California, a guy like Tyler Shaw out of uh, Hamilton High School in, in Arizona, I think those are, those are two kids that have already visited Nebraska, that Nebraska's been recruiting for a long time, but they've yet to offer those players. And and I think if if you don't see Nebraska go ahead and pull the trigger on an offer for a 2018 quarterback here, you know, in the next week or two, I think that's the signal that Nebraska is probably going to forego taking a QB in this class. And that's probably largely because of obviously what they have already done, what they have on the roster already with uh, Patrick O'Brien and uh, Tristan Jebbia, and obviously Tanner Lee's is has two years of eligibility remaining.
entertaining. Plus, where they're at with Grant Gannell, uh, the top 100 quarterback out of Houston, Texas, for next year's class. Uh, arguably, not just the top quarterback in Texas, but arguably the top overall quarterback in the country. So I think that uh, you know you, you have to like where they're sitting with him. He's visited twice already. Danny Langsdorf has been by the school pretty much every week that he's been able to be out on the road recruiting going back to last December. Uh, and they have got a very, very good relationship there. I, I think you'll see Grant Gannell back in Lincoln either this summer or for sure for a game this fall. So, um, you know, like I said, if you don't see a, another quarterback offer go out in this, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, I think it'll be pretty clear that uh, that they're going to pass up taking one in 2018. Is it a deal then where you try to get a, a good walk on? I don't, I don't know who that would be, like a Matt Masker at Kearney Catholic or an out-of-state walk on like they did last year with the junior college one and Andrew Bunch. Um, and do you think they will try to at least take a really good walk-on arm in there in the mix? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what the focus would become. Then, if you don't take a scholarship quarterback for 2018, you try to take the best. You try to get the best walk-on that you can, uh, whether that's Matt Masker or you know, uh, I know Jaden Scott out of Concordia, Omaha. Concordia has been on campus quite a bit. Um, even Trent Green's son down in, at Kansas City Rockhurst has, has been on campus um, a, a couple of times. So uh, I think that's where the focus would 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 kind of turn for this 2018 class and then of course you would just ramp ramp it up and go all in on grant gunnell for for 2019 you're listening here to the husker online show as we discuss some recruiting stuff and you know nebraska nate they will do some camps around the nation uh with their coaching staff one of them that was announced by kansas as a junior college one in july i can tell you i confirmed with nebraska uh, they actually aren't, as they as they know right now, scheduled to work that junior college camp in July. So it was a little interesting, interesting that KU put out a, a tweet um, about a week or two ago about Nebraska being a part of um, a satellite camp on their campus uh, with junior college players, but Nebraska, as of now, is not planning on being there. Yeah, that was kind of curious when when that came out because Nebraska, as we all know, you know, ever since Mike Riley has come here, they've not hit the junior college scene all that hard, and and for them to all of a sudden be taken apart in a in a junior college satellite camp would be would be kind of you know big deal, big news there. But that's not happening. I don't know if uh, communication, you know, there's a miscommunication somewhere, obviously, or if Kansas was just maybe uh, wanting to to kind of tout. You know, Nebraska is one more school that's going to be there. I don't know what exactly happened, but um, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense based off of what we've seen and, and how they've recruited the junior college market so far. Uh, it, it's something that didn't make a ton of sense initially. And then lastly, Nate, let's talk Mario Goodrich, the four-star out of Lee Summit West in the Kansas City area, uh, was rumored to be a silent commit over the spring game here in Lincoln um, it's been quiet on that front, and some more news has come out this past week, both from Gabe DeArmond, who talked to Mario at a AAU basketball tournament, and then our own Josh Hemhold as well. Yeah, you know, after the spring game, Mario or yeah, Mario Goodrich basically said, "I, I know where I want to go. I want to go to Nebraska. Uh, I want to commit to the Huskers. I just have to go home, talk it over with my dad, and and basically he just needed to get the green light from his dad to go ahead and make that decision and." Um, and that happened. He went back home and, and talked with his dad. Um, you know, the day after the spring game or two days after the spring game, he, he landed an offer from Oklahoma. Um, and he's, he's continuing to get a lot of a lot of looks from schools like Ohio State and Clemson. And I think his dad has 
has really tried to to hold Mario off from making an, an early decision, kind of having him pump the brakes a little bit, see what see what other offers kind of come come along and and uh, uh, take a lot of visits in the fall. So it's an interesting situation because Nebraska's in on a lot of good defensive backs in this class, and and Mario Goodrich is definitely one of those kids that they want to take. But you know, how long will they have room for Mario Goodrich in this class? I I think in the, at the end of the day, Nebraska ends up getting Goodrich. Um, you know, and, and I think Dante Williams may have his work cut out for him to to maybe recruit the dad a little harder than he actually has to recruit Mario because I, I feel like Mario definitely knows where he wants to go. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Well, it's going to continue to stay busy in recruiting. Stay on Husker Online as the coaching staff will be out all this month here in May. Also, a big weekend for baseball. The Huskers will take on Rutgers um, as they try to hold on to that number two spot um, in the Big Ten standings behind Maryland and a big log jam there. So uh, we'll have complete coverage this weekend from Haymarket Park uh, from the entire baseball series. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.